2020 is just days away. What's your outlook for the new year? Army-Navy game wrap-up, hand signs and all. What's a little impeachment between friends? And once again, social media do's and don'ts. When will we ever learn? All this and more on this week's Three Season a Pod. Three Season a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Cervello and John Schofield. We thank you for coming on board with us. For more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or you can check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. It is time to look in the rearview mirror. John, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, what did you see back there this week? I saw a beach volleyball game and a very short actor riding a motorcycle down uh, the road. And, and it was like being back in a time machine with the release of the Top Gun 2 trailer. I, I, uh, I've lost that loving feeling. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. Like, I... I, I yeah, the, the trailer, I, I do have to hand it to them, is fantastic. It, it is really riveting. It, it shows all the things that trailers have to do to make you interested in seeing a movie. It looks like it has all of the desirable effects, like a carrier stuff, you know, really hot to trot aviation shit. And then, you know, your, your classroom thing, you know, it looks like Mav is coming back and teaching a Top Gun or doing whatever today's variation of Top Gun is. So I could definitely tell that, um, that this movie is going to attract a lot of people just by the buzz it generated on Twitter. A lot of, a lot of action out there. People loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was very interested to see how it, it captured an entire day's worth of, of people's social media. It seemed like that was the only thing going on. And here we were in the middle of, uh, of impeachment. So, and staying on the movie, uh, staying on the movie scene, you know, by the time this comes out, we will have already been uh, in the throes of Star Wars, the last chapter. Yes. Um, I know my, my kid's birthday is on the day it releases on Friday. The only thing he wanted to do was go see Star Wars. So I hope this movie doesn't suck. Um, but it looks like it's gonna be very good. Interesting now that post um, debut that that some of those reviews are coming in comparing it you know to the Phantom Menace saying that you know this is the worst Star Wars movie since the Phantom Menace and the Phantom Menace was awful so um, but you know for Star Wars nerds nothing's awful so you know Chris I know that you uh, you know the, the the whole thing here is the movie's going to be awesome but there are always going to be people who say it's not awesome that you know you're either in or you're not yeah, I think for both of those examples that you gave, you have the challenge of hitting kind of three generations, maybe even four generations, right? I mean, there was a heavy baby boomer uh, interest in Star Wars and in Top Gun. You've got the Gen X folks that kind of grew up with both. And then now you've got, you know, millennials and, and Generation Z that are, are getting into the franchise. So that that's a lot of different tastes to try to satisfy, uh, I think, for both my view based on the trailer for Top Gun and based on the trailer and the previous uh, Star Wars, uh, you know, chapter movies that I've seen here lately, I think it's going to be fine. There are both of those franchises are going to do very well. I think people will like a bunch. They will um, they will complain about a bunch. But at the end of the day, they'll go see it. It'll make a lot of money. And, you, you know, we'll we'll spend a lot of time talking about it. So what's interesting to me is in watching 
there was a trailer before this. The the, the trailer that we just saw was the second one, right. correct? Yeah. Right. So what's what sticks out for me is people who are of our age who remember when the first one came out, uh, saw it in theaters, and people who might be a little older than we are. I wonder how many of like those little inside jokes, uh, you know, how, are they going to yeah. get? So when you see people without their shirts on playing, you know, playing that volleyball game. They were playing football. Or though. playing football, they, right. They, yeah. It, it's right. Uh, it, it's it, matured. Right. Beach football. But, but, but still but, no shirt. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, how, and how that plays with a younger crowd that's just now going to see this for the first time. You, you wonder how, you know, they, they go back and forth. They jockey back and forth. Uh, between them. I continue to be impressed and we saw this with the Star Wars movies and any of the big movies it, but you know we had the benefit of really digging into it with Top Gun when they went out when they shot that first trailer um, they went out to the carrier for the sole purpose of shooting a trailer okay right it wasn't like yeah. they shot the movie and then turned a trailer around right they wanted to create buzz a year out so okay. once they had agreed with the studio that hey this thing's coming out in may of 2020 um they got together shot enough um footage to put together a trailer that kind of captured what they wanted to convey and put it out on the scene to begin the conversation. And I mean, that's kind of where we are with these big franchise movies is get the conversation going as early as possible, follow up with different advertising, hit them six months out with a, a beefy um, trailer like we saw, and then, you know, jump into the movie uh, with hopefully a, uh, a, a decent review. Um, you, you know, I just don't know, even know if that's possible nowadays, but it, it takes a full year of publicity to roll this thing out. Yeah, and, and I think that they all sat around and yeah, they, they had their communications team together um, right at the very beginning stages of this and said, this is the idea, you know, and, and hopefully they are very happy with the results of this of this latest trailer release for uh, for uh, Top Gun 2 because, you know, that, that is potentially what, what they really, really wanted um, at the beginning to say, all right, right around this point, drop this trailer and watch it go crazy. And what I'm now interested in what steps two, three, and four are going to be because now bringing it back to that Star Wars thing, this latest Star Wars movie had like four different trailers all leading up to the final release. So uh, I would say trailer number, well, this is kind of trailer number two for Top Gun, spot on, really good. And and to wrap it all up, I hope the Star Wars movie is as good as all the trailers that led up to that, so. I'll be watching, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Gentlemen, I do believe you uh, made a little trip out to Philadelphia last weekend. Yeah, so uh, that. So Chris, what was, yeah, what was in your rear view? Yeah, that's my rear view is the Army-Navy game. First of all, congratulations to the Navy midshipmen on, uh, on winning uh, the Commander-in-Chief trophy. Not only did they win the uh, this Army-Navy game, they won the Commander-in-Chief trophy, and they will head to Memphis to play in the Liberty Bowl on, uh, on New Year's Eve, so uh, excited about that. But the things that particularly caught my attention, and John and I uh, were together most of the weekend, so I think it sort of our shared attention, um, very impressed with the evolution of USAA's sponsorship of the mm. Army Navy game. Everything from signage to um, greeters and making sure that people have a good time to um, the radio row 
advertising and Radio Row marketing that they do. And if you're not familiar with Radio Row, it's very similar to what they do for big movie uh, premieres or for large sporting events in the professional uh, sports world. They host sports radio and, in this case, military outlets from all over the country to try to make this more than just a Army and Navy or just a Philadelphia game. So you've got people from all over and you're really only limited by the creativity of your ability to localize the story. So in some cases it was if you were from the center of the country, you were able to find either a past Army or Navy football player to talk about or somebody that was on the team this year. If you were Navy trade media like Defense News or Military.com, you were able to link it to uh, folks that were currently serving in the fleet and, and make it about that. And then obviously if you were big-time sports radio, this was the game uh, and the event other than the Heisman that was happening this weekend. So you were really able to take advantage of that. So we saw sports uh, radio from D.C. We saw it from L.A. We saw it from New York City. I mean, you, you name it. And it really just adds to the nationwide buzz. So, uh, you know, great, great move by USAA. I think Chris is he, he's not necessarily being as forthcoming and truthful as he could be. I think his favorite part of the weekend was walking at least seven miles in a driving rain <laughs> for two straight days, uh, which which I know he enjoyed. The, the Carly Simon huskiness of my voice right. Uh, right now should be all the evidence you need of how much time I spent in the rain on Friday and Saturday. But I echo what he said. I, I think it was a really good event. Uh, the Army-Navy game does a really good job of marketing itself as, quote-unquote, America's game. I talked a little bit about it in my op-ed, but you know, there's a reason why this gets its own Saturday, and, and they make it a really good Saturday. And as Chris and I saw and as Chris talked about, they make it a really good Friday leading into that Saturday, thus capturing more attention, hitting more audiences, future Army-Navy game participants, future Army-Navy game attendees, future Service Academy students. I will say that one one really weird communication thing I noticed about the game was, you know, we didn't see it because we were in the stands or tailgating beforehand, but, you know, what made a lot of news during the game was the fact that, that President Trump and Secretary of Defense Esper went into the locker rooms mm-hmm. before the game started and actually talked more about this program they have, the policy in place to let professional athletes or let athletes from the service academies play professional sports. And I can tell you from people who are in the locker room that, you know, at first the players are like, hey, great, you know, SecDef and POTUS are here to say hello, this is great. Um, but really, really odd that they took that opportunity before the game to to try to drop this knowledge or drop this information on these athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that they left, uh, Secretary of Defense Esper and POTUS left thinking that that information really revved them up, like, hey, you can go pro, now go out and play the game of your lives. That That's not the word they need to go out and play the game of their lives. This has been the oldest rivalry and best rivalry there is. Yes. It's not beat Army and hopefully I can play pro football. It's just beat Army. So I found that kind of weird. A lot of people might have found it to be uncouth um, or a little bit inappropriate before the game to go in there and do that. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many people uh, how many people take them up on the offer. But I, I, I agree with Chris. Great game. I know as you uh, wrote in, in the blog recently uh, that appeared, uh, or the op-ed, um, one that we shared uh, on our website, uh, www.provisionadvisors.net, uh, but was also picked up um, uh, in the Capital Gazette. 
Uh, and you refer to the marketing of the game, and it, you know it's what you guys are alluding to. It's just yeah. the, it gets its own weekend, and, and as I was able to sit and watch um, College Game Day that day, and, and it was while that took up a majority of the bandwidth, um, it was it, it was almost. I, look, I know I'm a little I'm biased, right? Uh, just based on 22 years of wearing the uniform, right? We all are. Um, but just to see the lengths to which ESPN went to make sure that it got all of the attention that it deserved, um, the, the backstory, uh, you know, on the on the two service academies, and 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 picking out, singling out, you know, specific individual individual stories and things like that. So it it, it is, I think, gaining uh, popularity. If that's like. That seems odd to even say, now that I say it out loud. Like, well, I think it's popularity in that in 1985, it didn't get a lot of popularity because ESPN was barely in existence and Game Day wasn't in existence. The rivalry was in existence, but it really wasn't the same love of the military. Now, as we're on the back end of 18 years of war and 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 trying to get out of that, and hopefully without 18 years of war in our future, how much will that popularity of the game wane because I think for the last 15 years, since 9-11, the idea of service has been much more popular, and thus, the idea of the Army-Navy game has been much more popular. That, that's a loose association. You guys can call me on that if I'm wrong, but I think that they are the benefactors. The Army-Navy game is the benefactor of, of 18 years of war, and thus, a citizenry who loves the military a little bit more than they did beforehand. And that's the challenge moving forward, right? So if you're USAA, that's why doing Radio Row and the large outreach that they do to be able to sell and talk about this game independent of uh, 18 years of combat ops and to talk about the type of student that goes to those two schools and the heritage that it has and the, the countrywide heritage that, um, that it, it, it really grabs onto. The other thing that was interesting, you know, you have the, you have the USAA, you have the college game day, and where we were tailgating, we were on the backside of where Barstool had yeah. set up their podcast. And I mean, you talk about a scene there with, uh, with Barstool, but I mean, for the same, kind of for the same audience and, and doing the same sorts of things. I mean, that really had nothing to do with um, the war in Afghanistan or Iraq, other than that there are a lot of veterans that were um, that, that are into Barstool and that, that Barstool kind of speaks to and the sponsors of Bar, Barstool engage on a regular basis. But I mean, it just, it kind of has something for everybody, right? It has, I would say the USAA sports, uh, radio is more traditional you've got college game day which kind of speaks to the hardcore sports fan and then you've got barstool that kind of speaks to this new generation and then just the years and years and years of yeah. uh, of heritage it's, it's a great event period right there yeah. <laughs> great well event. i know in your rear view you know that you might have seen something a little bit a little bit different and yeah you know, so it, let's I, I wanted to talk a little bit or i wanted you to talk a little bit about what what that kind of meant to the post game uh, honeymoon. Right. So I mentioned ESPN College Game Day, and I watched, I watched a good amount of it. So I saw that in real time. And what we're talking about is the uh, uh, the hand gesture, uh, alleged, uh, what to what it meant. Uh, we we just don't know, and I, yeah. and I don't want to go into definitive statements because we we don't know, absent of you know talking to that individual, you know, or both individuals about what they were intending. So, yes, the, the, the OK sign, 
Um, I I saw I saw it each time, uh, and then I saw the building. Uh, reaction, reaction yeah, to on it Twitter. on 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 Twitter and and elsewhere. Yeah. You know where people were, were talking about it. Uh, even listening to yesterday's uh, Tony Kornheiser show right, podcast, right. where they uh-huh. delved into it a little bit, and he gave a little bit of, of of backstory about you know he and Michael Wilbon talking about it. He, my two cents. Um, I'm of an age where I remember the Circle Game. Right. I remember it because I played it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. The circle game. For those of you who don't are not familiar, oh, don't know we're, what that we're is. Aging ourselves. Here. Yeah, right, right. You know, make that okay sign sort of upside down, and if you do it below your belt, and your buddy looks at it, you get a free punch. You get a punch. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and that was that was a majority of my high school years. Okay. That that's moved from the late '80s and '90s up till now. I okay. If kids are still playing that, I okay, fine, fine, whatever. Um, and then you go into the backstory of the co-opting of, you know, via 4chan and uh, you know, uh, gaslighting or, or getting a rise out of, out of liberals that that that's this white power symbol and and all of that. Um, okay, okay, right, but um, but I'm kind of tired of it. And, it, and I can't allow it to give me, it, there are certain things going on in our universe, in our, in our country right now, and, I, and I, I feel like this happens to me every week, right? I just start yep. going off on my, on the sofa. Deep thoughts with the Sean Man. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a cadet and a midshipman making uh, that sign or playing the circle game. I don't care what it was. The fact that you knew you were on camera and decided to do something stupid other than, I don't know, a sign on your chest that said beat Army or beat Navy, like the fact that you want to do that, it, I'm sorry, you're just an idiot. Yeah. You're just an idiot. And you you lessen the nature of the game that's going on that day, the focus of the game, and then the, the uniform that you're wearing. All right, it's just really not like, like, like. Oh, let me stretch all the way across into and do this right here. Yeah, <sighs> you know. Did I, and so, and what I, and I didn't. I didn't make it. You can look at my Twitter feed. I didn't. I was impressed. I did. Very uh, proud. I didn't, Very proud. <laughs> I didn't make because I. I have reached the point where there you have to be able to identify and look at things and say, that's not worth my energy. It's not worth me weighing it for who, for who. I average I average 0.5 reactions to yeah. my and I'm very much aware of that. All right, if one strikes fire and I get three, hot <laughs> diggity, I'm out. I'm, not, right. I'm, done. I'm out, Jerry. Get off Twitter for the <laughs> that day. Was gold, Jerry. Oh, you know what I mean? The yeah. the the ocean called. Right. Right. Uh, so the fact that and 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 I I raise my hand as being guilty of getting caught up in some things, uh, and but I just didn't think that this deserved on a on a day when you have these two institutions uh battling it out on on the on the football field uh the fact that it was overtaken the result of the game what happened during the game was overtaken by this hand gesture and oh these two individuals need to be investigated and there's be individual investigation da 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 and the conversations it further moved uh, it, as as if we're not already polarized as a nation 
then it's just how far are you able to stretch the spectrum? Yeah. I'll stop it right there. Uh, well, I, I, I've been noticing, I follow a lot of midshipman accounts. Um, I try to, um, because I, I think it's smart for us as communicators to have uh, a lens into how this current generation of service academy students communicates. Um, I did that when I was the PAO there, and, and I still do it because I think it it, it shows you a little bit of um, of who they are and what's important to them. And, and the the uh, accounts that I follow have all come back with this kind of indignance at at uh, bitter America for all of a sudden making a scene out of this and and they're kind of doing the okay boomer thing to the ones who argue about about whether these hand gestures were were racial symbols or not um, the the narrative out of the Naval Academy student, demographic is that we're playing a game it's not a white power gesture okay boomer shut your mouth stop like like we have time you know or, or we have the balls to go out there and try to like try to endanger like our career at the naval academy because i want my white power symbol to be seen behind reese davis's head during college game day i get that i also get that you should be very careful about what you do with with your with yourself while you're in uniform, um, and know that anything you do can be misconstrued. Now that's tough. Like in the age of political correctness, you're basically saying, "Don't ever tell jokes. Don't ever take chances. Don't try to be funny. Don't do that." I, I get where that frustrates people, and that and that we are a society that is so damn yeah you know, sensitive. You know, when are we going to break out of this and just let people be funny? Well, as soon as people actually stop being racist, and I, I, that's probably a time that's never going to come. I, I, I can't wait. I, <laughs> no, I'm going to hold mine till deep dive because yeah. this is this is related, and uh, so I'll, I'll hold uh, I'll hold mine till deep dive. Okay, great. Uh, listen, folks, uh, we're going to deep dive next. Uh, stay with us. This is three season a pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We're back, and it is time to deep dive. Gentlemen, uh, just this past week, um, we, in this country, uh, were able to celebrate uh, a significant uh, anniversary. Uh, It was the 75th uh, anniversary uh, of the Battle of the Bulge uh, that took place uh, in World War II. But this uh, commemorative event uh, was met with a bit of controversy uh, via what else? Social media. John, I am going to throw it to you uh, so that you can give us a little bit of background about what we saw transpire uh, just a couple of days ago uh, via uh, someone's social media um page yeah so as you were saying in the last segment Bashan, you and i have the same amount of of reaction usually to our tweets you know we we think of something very pithy and funny throw it out there we think it's a real zinger you get that one like which is usually from one of the three of us and you're like yes um i'm being heard (laughs) so i think i i think we act the two of us at least because chris has much more followership and, and reaction but the two of us act with a little bit of um i would say bravado in our social media presence which can come back to bite us because we we know that 
we're not followed by as many people. It doesn't usually generate as much reaction, and we can we can take risks. We can be funny. We can post a certain meme. We can post a certain picture. Uh, but when you are a person of influence or a command or an organization or a company, mm-hmm. you, you do have to take into consideration what you're doing, what message you're trying to get across. And, and as Chris and I were talking earlier this week, if you have information to get out, why are you being cute? Why are you being, why are you trying to find some sort of niche, weird, you know, it completely, uh, you know, uncharacteristic or provocative way to get your information out? And so, you know, as, as everyone was nursing their hangovers from the Army-Navy game, the Secretary of Defense um, and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs jumped on an airplane Sunday, flew out to Europe for the Battle of the Bulge anniversary, marked a very somber event. Uh, in the history of the world, and um, and as they were doing that, you know, a, a small tempest, you know, in the teapot became a giant storm. In that, one of the subordinate commands of the 82nd Airborne, trying to mark this anniversary, uh, tweeted out a photo of uh, I'll just say it was a Nazi, and and believed that it was going to be something that was part of the conversation about um, about who the enemy was and how they were overcome uh, by the good guys. And and in the end, as the tweet started at a small subordinate unit to the 82nd Airborne, eventually retweeted by the 82nd Airborne, then became something that was tweeted out by a much, much larger command, i.e. DOD. Uh, And now you are basically taking um, a symbol of hate, a person of hatred, a picture of that person, and now you almost look like you're endorsing it, um, and it turned into a into a shitstorm from there. And and I'll kick it to Chris because Chris has some really good um, color on this. But again, I I I just come back to the fact that people don't understand what the repercussions are for what they say on social media, and they're so quick with the mea culpa afterwards. I hope we get to the point where the mea culpa's you know, aren't there because people aren't doing stupid shit like this anymore. So we, we had a great conversation about it. Um, and then uh, based on our conversation, I took some time and made a longer than normal uh, LinkedIn post on, on my personal LinkedIn, running through my version of what I thought the lessons learned were. Um, and I'll, I'll just share the high points here. First off, there is a narrative out there that members of the media, members um, of the blue check crew on Twitter, influencers, they look for examples to, um, I think, reinforce that narrative, right? Now, there's a reason that 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 narrative exists, so they didn't just conjure it up. And, And so there's this feeling that given who the commander in chief is, and I think this is related to the army navy hand gesture thing that you know there's this sense that the military has become either a recruiting ground or a bastion or a hideout for people that um either are enamored with white power or nazis or you know russians or what, what whatever keep that in mind right and i and i don't say that as a uh, as a poke at anybody but i mean it, it it's out there and every time people make stupid mistakes we come back to that narrative now to the practical application of sharing content on social media because this is a communication podcast and this is a communication segment and this is the best professional advice i can i can give 
if you are a professional communicator, if you supervise professional communicators, if you have a corporate or a government social media account, you cannot afford to be funny, ironic, or clever in social media. Don't do it. If you wanna have 30 people into your command, battle of the bulge history discussion, and you want to do a first person reading of a diary uh, of a Nazi on what he or she thought about on the eve of the Battle of the Bulge, you probably can get away with it. And it probably is appropriate because all of the needed context is provided to the audience and you can answer any sort of questions or concerns that are there. But when you put up a colorized uh, glamour shot, essentially, of a Nazi murdering war criminal, and no matter how valuable that context is, it's gonna get lost. It's gonna look like your particular account is enamored or wants to celebrate that particular person in history. And then it's gonna take off. The blue check folks are gonna jump all over you. They're gonna critique the shit out of you. You're gonna be lumped in with people that you had no intent to lump in. And more important than that, the whole purpose of why you were trying to communicate in the beginning is gonna be lost. So I would say that from an individual unit uh, standpoint, we lost the Battle of the Bulge. Because if you're a commander, right, if you're a commander and your job has really nothing to do with the Battle of the Bulge, but you were trying to use it as a esprit de corps or history or whatever, why would you take any risk now? Like, for me, I'm just putting up pictures of soldiers or airmen or Marines or sailors PTing and calling it a day. Um, So the the takeaway message is, is... Go out, create compelling, um, rich, uh, context-providing content, and then share it straight up. Don't try to be jokey smurf. Don't try to be too clever. Don't try to be ironic. Don't assume that the audience will get the joke that you're trying to convey. Um, Just be straight. Uh, And if that means that you don't get as many likes or clicks or bangs or whatever the, you know, sort of kitschy uh, metric of the day is, then so be it. You run the risk because you talked about the blue check crew, and I tried to go back and like reconstruct the timeline. You know, we, one of the main uh, fire starters of the outrage here was was Barbara Starr, who was the Pentagon correspondent at CNN, and and she has a great deal of followership and a great deal of influence, and and she noticed this tweet, and and reacted to the tweet with just as much provocative language like does this mean that DOD endorses this does this mean you're okay with this if this subordinate command put this type of stuff up does that mean that you as the leaders of the of the military endorse this and it and it was at that point unless I'm completely wrong and I don't think I am I researched it that it really took off that the outrage took off that Mm. eventually led to you know, an apology and 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 the the complete failure of the of the whole intent of the content in the first place. So you do have to be wary out there that that they're going to pe- be people who don't like your content. Um, and and if they have enough followers, that dislike of your content can become really viral and really bad, really really fast. So I ran into this with Barbara two years ago. Um, thankfully, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a picture of a Nazi or a war criminal or anything like that. But great when, when we worked at uh, 
when I worked at the Defense Media Activity and we were launching the new Department of Defense website, um, a centerpiece of that website was oh, this I, was this idea of reaching an audience that was younger and that didn't know as much about the military. Mm -hmm. And so um, we turned the project loose uh, with our younger uh, service members. Um, they immediately went to the YouTube best practices. They picked out different versions of videos that they wanted and styles that they wanted to be able to use to put together this three to five minute um, instructional video on the, on the military in which we were gonna highlight sort of the top line messages of each of the services and how they come together. And so we did an animation. I mean, it was hand-drawn animation. It was brilliant, done by a 20-something uh, sailor who did it in his free time. He animated it, he voiced it over. Um, we worked on the script. And we were, when we were done and we saw this animation, like we, we knew we had something that would absolutely resonate with the audience that we were after, but we had this suspicion that the current audience of the website was gonna hate it. Like we, we knew, I mean, we, we didn't think it was offensive, but we knew that they weren't gonna be into it. Um, we tested it with groups, we showed it to leadership, uh, it went all the way up to the Secretary of Defense, uh, Secretary Mattis, who sort of gritted his teeth and for a minute I thought he was gonna snap my neck. But we got his permission and sure as can be, Barbara Starr was the first one out of the gate yep. who trashed us. And then, it, it was a bit of a domino effect on other more traditional journalists trashing us and telling us that we um, had missed the, we had diminished the, um, I, I guess the importance and we had diminished the uh, august stature that the Department of Defense uh, had in, uh, you know, in, in reaching the American public. Um, and what, what do you do, right? I mean, you sort of, we, we wrote it out. Uh, we wrote it, it was, it's still one of the most popular videos that the Department of Defense um, ha has uh, produced. I don't know that that's the metric that we were after. The metric we were after was reaching new audiences and you know, helping people learn more about the, the Department of Defense. But uh, yeah, it doesn't take much to, to kind of create that storm. Um, I would say the only thing that we had going for us was that we were ready, we had socialized it, and we knew how long we were willing to ride it out. Um, and if it had gone poorly, we were ready to replace it with, with something else. So we had kind of talked our way through it. It doesn't look like this group either thought about it ahead of time, red-celled it, and had a, a backup plan because they seemed to be a little flat-footed. Yeah, so one of the questions that one of the questions I have with this particular instance, and it's something that comes, it's come up before, is the metrics and or methodology by which things get approved. We've seen this before. Well, how did that get up there? Like who, I think when we, we were talking about uh, a particular colleague, past colleague of ours with the nuclear uh, deterrent issue that we spoke about like almost a year ago now. Yeah. Like, well, wait a second, did, did you get eyes on this? And, and that and it sort of begs the question, was it someone who just like, oh, uh, share. You know, is that, is, what are the, the metrics in place to say, as something comes in front of you, you know, via your social media, what are we going to um, retweet, share, whatever, uh, and does it pass the smell test? Uh, and that's something leadership 
needs to, if you are going to entrust somebody with that responsibility, make sure that they're following a set, you know, a formal set of guidelines uh, when it comes to the content we're, that we're going to put up on our platform. Because for it to come from a, a, a whether a, just a lower tier unit of the 82nd Airborne and to reach all the way up to the to DOD and then DOD then says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we want to put this out. Um, how does that happen? I mean, it speaks to what, what's your goal, right? What is the goal of what you're trying to post? Um, how do you think it's going to be received across the audiences that um, you know that you not only want to hit, but that you're going to hit either by accident or, or kind of tangentially? So kind of gaming that out. Um, and then build from there based on that expected reaction, okay, who needs to know about this, right? So as we gamed ours out, we knew we were in um, uncharted territory mm -hmm. and because that's what they told us they wanted, right? Hey, don't give me the same old, you, you know, rah-rah film that's, you, you know, actually people currently serving kind of roll their eyes to and people that aren't that have never served or will never serve aren't, aren't going to see give me something that's going to be um, different so we knew eventually that it had to go all the way up to the one guy right, who right. could get called on the carpet for it and that was secretary mattis and so we went all the way up to him he didn't like it but he agreed that it met the intent of what he asked us to do um, and he, uh, he he supported us, so we had the appropriate top cover. In this case, someone should have been smart enough to know that, hey, look, we're, we are trying to do something ironic and um, grabbing here by putting this uh, Nazi portrait front and center, and so therefore the right people need to know and, the, and people outside of your immediate scope need to weigh in just to kind of see if it's gonna be viewed the same way you think it's gonna be viewed. I feel like if they had done that due diligence, somebody would have said, hey, I get what you're trying to do. It's thoughtful, but it's not going to be received well, and let's not do it. I, I believe that all of these are incredibly good best practices that I hope people, as they're, as they're listening, take note of. And, and that's, the, that's the purpose behind why we, why we do the podcast. That's the purpose of why we have the business that we have, and that is to impart best practices. So I, you know, I think that there are incredibly sage remarks in there. Uh, particularly by Chris as he evaluates it. I'll, I'll, as we finish it off, I'll just give you kind of my unique perspective on it as we've talked about the hand gesture issue. We've talked about this particular tweet and this colorized photo, which was certainly offensive. I, don't you guys think, because I think, so you probably got, you don't have to think the way I do, um, but this is part of the dynamic in place where the president, who is a couple of minutes away from a House vote to impeach him, and, and like-minded individuals um, take issue with the media. That, you know what, this tweet would have been fine if that oh-so-sensitive, pinko, lefty, you know, liberal uh, reporter Barbara Starr didn't take issue with it. You know what, the, the, you know, the circle game would have just been the circle game if, if these really you know, left-wing, you know, uh, cynical media didn't grab these pictures and tweet them out and, and say that all these service academy people are racist. You know, that look at the media just taking away all the fun that we used to have with our content. Um, I, I think that is is a common thread here and, and something we need to continue to watch, and that is that when things go bad, when, when things get IG'd, when things get 
called onto the carpet for accountability because they're inappropriate or whatnot, often the the argument from the other side is, you know what, all of this would be fine if you media would just shut up about it. Just let it be. Let us live. You know, report the news. Don't report this. I, that's how I kind of looked at this, and, and as I evaluate it in the grand scheme of things, it's it's what President Trump does a lot of, and that is the fake news, the terrible lefty news, the failing New York Times. Um, you know, it, they, their reporting is merely just cynical reactions to things that used to be just fine. Let's bring those just fine parts back. Let's make America great again. And it's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to belabor this, but I mean, I... I absolutely understand from Barbara's standpoint and from other people's standpoint who wrote, I thought there was a bit, it was a bit much to pile on as much as they did and to sort of villainize the way they did. That's my personal opinion, but it absolutely was news. It absolutely deserved to be pointed out and to be criticized, especially given the fact that the cabinet level uh, social media account um, shared it and, and didn't see anything wrong with it. So. Um, it's the don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I mean, yeah. it's sort of, sorry, it's sort of no, odd, no, no. but I mean, that's kind of where, where you are. I, I can't hate on Barbara for that. I, I hate on the communicators for not doing the due diligence. Exactly. Sage wisdom, as always, gentlemen. Uh, great discussion. Shout out to Barbara Star, uh, CNN. Uh, listen, uh, we're going to take a break and come back with what's next on the horizon. Stay with us. This is Three Season a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. And we're back with On the Horizon. Let's go around the table with what we see over the next week. Chris, I'll throw it to you. Uh, for me, um, I'm interested in watching the fallout um, of the impeachment vote that, as John mentioned, is uh, uh, happening really as we tape this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I want to see if it kind of comes and goes and there's a bit of fatigue because we've talked about it for so long. I want to see what the the bases, respective bases of either the left and the right do. Um, the president and uh, vice president are headed to Battle Creek, Michigan tonight. And so, you know, will it be the traditional kind of fire and brimstone uh, response from the president that we've seen? I mean, I, I think he I think he telegraphed uh, in his letter to the speaker what we're likely to hear from him uh, t tonight. And so uh, what will that immediate reaction be? What will the Democratic candidates um, as they are on the stump, what will they say about it? And then where will the American people fall? Uh, the last thing before I turn it over to John, I was interested to see that for the first time in the 2020 polling, the president polled higher than each of the yes. Democratic candidates. Now, uh, the poll was said it, and I would say it too, these polls have meant nothing traditionally, right? Uh, no matter, like, I mean, we've seen polls that where the incumbent was, was higher and then lost. I think, I mean, at this point, George Bush was way ahead of all of his uh, Democratic challenger, or George H.W. Bush was well ahead of his Democratic challengers, and you saw what happened. But it was the first time in a long time in which the president was ahead uh, in national polling um, against any of the top four or five, um, which, I, again, it's a data point, and let's see if that holds. Let's see if it gets better. Let's see if uh, if it changes. John? 
on my horizon as I think we're taking a two-week hiatus for the uh, for the high holidays on the horizon <laughs> here. But um, uh, the, the what I'm looking at on the horizon, just to inject a little bit more sports into this, is the continued discussion about the New England Patriots situation. I thought Fox Sports did a pretty provocative thing uh, in its pregame show this past week uh, by actually having um, Glazer, I think it was, debut the, the, the audio of the Patriots getting caught. Ah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? It, it just sort of, you know, like, like they say, a picture tells a thousand words. You know, it, it's not really a story that, that attracts attention until there's some video. You know, and at first people were like, well, it's not really Spygate again. It's not really a big deal. Belichick went up there and basically obfuscated and did his Belichick you know, press conference thing. And people were like, yeah, probably isn't it. And then this video goes, and holy shit, did these dudes sound guilty as sin. You know, like, you know, you're seeing the video just show the Bengals sideline. And whoever that security dude is, uh, who you can hear on the video, and I would recommend everyone go out and try to find this. But uh, yeah, the, the he he was just perfect. He's like, I I don't see your your guy in any of this video. I just see the Bengals sideline, you know. And and immediately, just yeah, I'm I'm a, a reformed Irish Catholic, so you know, and my my parents told me at a very early age they could tell right away whether I was lying, particularly when I was telling the truth because they just wanted me to feel like shit about it. That's the Irish Catholic way. But in this particular case. You could definitely tell that the dude being, you know, the Patriots guy getting questioned by the Bengals guy, the Bengals security guy was like, oh, well, I, I can delete it. I can delete it right now. I mean, it's, it's all good. Well, you know, I, I promise you, I can't get any of this stuff back. I'll delete it right now. And, and right now, right there, you have sound to go with the story and you have a picture to go with the story. And now it actually makes it look a lot more realistic that they were cheating their asses off again. Um, so hats off to Fox for for getting that, yeah, you know, and and then going out and commanding the news cycle on it by debuting that that video, which has now taken this to the next step. Will anything happen to the Patriots by the time we we record the next pod, which is right after the new year? Will the Patriots even be in the playoffs anymore? Will it matter? Are they going to do a full investigation? Who knows? But I'm going to watch this with a lot of interest because if that little segment of video exists, there's other video that exists. And hats off to the to the uh, security guy one last time before I sign off for giving me my fantasy football name for next year, which is going to be... The damage is done, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you uh, for that. Um, John, you mentioned there back just at, at the beginning of your statement for On the Horizon. You mentioned the high holidays. Um, so here's where I'm going to take my On the Horizon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's no shortage of uh, news stories, uh, mostly um, drama-filled and, and, and unfortunate, that comes across our telephone, telephone screens, our television screens um, and anywhere else newspapers if you're still reading those uh, or anywhere else uh, you're getting your your, your stream from um, you know whether you celebrate Hanukkah Christmas Kwanzaa Festivus uh, whatever it is here's my Christmas wish um, that at least for a moment over uh, the next week to two weeks that whoever is is listening to this 
that you get a moment or you're able to take a moment uh, to turn it all off, to turn it all off and focus on your family, focus on your loved ones, um, people around you uh, that you care about. That's it. Just take a moment to shut off the noise and while it may sound Pollyannish or pie in the sky, I just want as many people as possible to enjoy the people around them for however long that you can because not everybody has that, okay? And, and, and that's it. So uh, that's our show, folks. Uh, listen, it's been an insightful and thoughtful 2019 uh, for us here at Provision Advisors. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed us. Uh, we've enjoyed each other, uh, and we've enjoyed this experience. Uh, please look out for more shows in the new year. Uh, we want to take this time to wish you all the very best as you head into, into 2020. Uh, we'll be back uh, with, with, with more shows, and uh, we look forward to growing uh, here on the airwaves and, and growing this show uh, to make it more robust and make it more worth your time and, and your while. So uh, we appreciate you taking a, an hour out of your day to listen to us. So, gentlemen, I want to say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Happy New Year to you and yours. Uh, and as we always say here on this show, be good and be better than yesterday. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.